welcome to Or Something. This is the podcast where we discuss the origins of things or something. I'm Kristen, and this is Carla. Hi. Oh, oh my voice oh. cracked a little there. Oh, Carla's going <laughs> through puberty. puberty. <laughs> <laughs> a good old puberty joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always great. <laughs> Speaking of... Puberty. No, I. This is the worst segue <laughs> ever. Segue. I'm like, really? Okay. I wanted to celebrate, like, plan for our my 40th birthday, but also yours. We're the same yep. age, right? But, um, so I was looking for places in Tofino, BC. Mm-hmm. And can I just say that for like three nights, the price of three it's nights a million there, dollars. Mm-hmm. It is, and that's just three. Yeah, I could go and have a whole week vacation in Mexico. Yeah. A good one. You know what we should almost do is see if we can rent, like, do an Airbnb or something. I don't know That's if it'll be checking. any cheaper. Some of them were, like, th- they were insane. Yeah. I did see one that was for an island, like your own little private Ooh. island, for 700 a night. I thought, you know, that could be kind of cool. That could be pretty but cool. I'm like, do I really want to spend that much? So I I'm going to check more, like, inland, I think, even if I end up in the Rockies somewhere. I'm like... I'll go somewhere. There are some pretty cool places out there that could be like yeah. a nice kind of getaway. Exactly. Um, also, try checking Euclulet, like that town that's right near Tofino. Right. You, it's... But can I just go back to the fact that, like, <laughs> Tofino, yes, it's beautiful. Don't get me I wrong. Know. It is stunning. Yeah. But it's not a tropical But it's like paradise. during summer, especially, it's crazy expensive. And even but in the downtimes, why, it's much more uh, expensive than it used to be. It's not worth that much. I'm sorry. It, I know. It isn't. I'm sorry. It is stunning. I do love it there. Me too. But, but I, <laughs> the fact I agree. That I could get there a whole, are all kinds of places my thing is in that Canada the, that are like equally as amazing. I think it's more like the all-inclusive thing you can literally get. Yeah. In Mexico. And it wouldn't be all-inclusive in BC. Yeah. So you're just paying for the accommodation. You have to pay for all the food and everything. All the food and the everything. Transportation, Although you can right? get Taco Fino, which is like the best. Yeah. If anybody's ever in BC, you need to, or in the Vancouver, Tofino area. (laughs) There are two very separate areas, but whatever. (laughs) I get it. Go to Taco No one else does? No, I get it. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. No one else is listening to this. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I need to talk about the excitement that happened at my apartment building yesterday. Yeah. And I think that the irony of, so every episode we usually say at the end of the episode what we're going to do. Like I'm going to go, you know, eat mac and cheese or whatever. (laughs) And last week was the first time that we didn't do that. And it's the first time that I've actually done the thing that I talked about in last week's episode. (laughs) So I'm like, ironic. Wait, what did we talk about? I've already I talked about the origin of emergency numbers, like 911. (gasps) And last night I had to call 911, which is crazy. Yeah. I didn't even put two and two together. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? I know. I thought oh. of it last night and I was like, what the hell? Like, okay. this is payback. We always have to say we're going to go do something. <laughs> well, especially but no, but you got, that, you got that Amazon catalog after we did the catalog episode. Oh my gosh. Catalog yeah, episode. That's true. Whoa, this is creepy. I'm only going to do really good topics from now on. <laughs> what is the origin of a million dollars? What's the origin of lottery tickets and winning just them? lottery tickets? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the I find one, but they're all duds. And I don't clue in at all. What's the origin of stepping in a puddle? 
It's like a terrible episode and a terrible thing. (laughs) That all around. (laughs) Oh my gosh! So last night, um, the fire alarm in um, one of the apartments, like down the hallway, was going off, and it was, but it was almost just sounded like somebody's like alarm clock. It was just like beep, beep, beep. Like it wasn't anything like really so casual. I feel like it sounds very different from my fire like (laughs) smoke detector in my apartment which is crazy how can they have different ones I don't understand it (laughs) whatever (laughs) so it was going for forever and I was like okay this is kind of weird popped my head out the door nobody was in the hallway like and I eventually heard various people kind of doing the same thing that I had done and then finally I heard somebody like some commotion um, and so I stuck my head out the door again and saw a bunch of smoke in the hallway. Ooh. Freaked me out. And I was like, oh, oh like, that's not good. Yeah. Okay. So I, like, frantically grabbed a few things. Like, we have a little safe, a little yeah. fire safe with our passports and, like, our important Smart. documents and stuff, like birth certificates yeah. and whatever. So I grabbed that, my laptop, and... Um, I couldn't find Greg's, like, Greg has a hard drive that he has, like, all of his, like, photographs and everything on, which I have my little hard drives that are in the fire safe. Yeah. And I couldn't find it, so I was like, I feel, I felt like I had to grab something of his. So I I did grab his camera bag, which is, like, is good, because it's valuable information. You grab, like, a ratty old sweater. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Just a bunch of, like, dirty underwear or something. What? But because Greg's not here right now, I was like, okay, I've got to get something of his to, like, you know. And then, of course, when I talked to him afterwards, he he's like, oh, who cares about the camera? He's like, why didn't you take my bike? I'm like, I'm not going to take your bike off of the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know. <laughs> I know what the most important thing is to him. <laughs> bike. <laughs> Okay, Greg, if you ever listen to this, your wife is, like, trying to get out of a burning building, and she's clumsily taking this giant bike down the stairs. I mean, he did did realize how crazy that was. He's like, no, of course not, but, like, that was the thing. He's like, I don't really care about anything else. I'm like, okay, good to know. The hard drive and the bike, that's it. Oh, my gosh. A bike will just go flying out the balcony window. But yeah, I, I, that's uh-huh. what I could do is just throw it over. He'd be like, no. <laughs> we make the firefighter stand at the bottom with one of those big, like, trampoline things. You're on the bottom. My bike. Somebody get my bike. Somebody get my bike. But so I had to, like, I went out because still the building alarm wasn't going off. And I was like, what the heck? So I went out and there was just, like, this woman with her two kids. And I was like, there's smoke in the hallway. She's like, I know, this is crazy. Um, And so we went out and then I was like, do I need to call 911? And she's like, probably. And I'm like... Oh, but also, I was like, why are you giving me attitude? You were out here first. Like, you could have called 911. Like, why is it? It was kind of like this attitude, like, yeah, you probably should. And I'm like, well, you should. <laughs> Getting a little competitive. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> so I called them, and the lady said right away, um, like, what, like, what service oh do you need? 
like police, ambulance, fire. And I was oh. like, oh, okay, that's cool. So it's like fire department. Cause it's <laughs> you go into the whole history with her? <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? Ma'am. <laughs> In Winnipeg, there were only eight of you operators. <laughs> and women are paid less than men. Ooh. You're surrounded by Start planes. a healthy debate. Yeah. <laughs> but she told me, she was like, um, is the is the building alarm like is everybody out and I was like no there's only a couple people out here and I see like <laughs> lights on and stuff like it, it was maybe nine o'clock at night so it wasn't crazy late yeah all the cars were there so I'm like there must be people here um and like there's not very many of us out here so she yeah. told me to go back in and pull the building alarm. <gasps> this is like an old, fa- like not old fashioned, but like cool. the typical thing. So yeah. I went in and she's gonna, she's like, it's gonna be really loud, but do it. I'm like, and I didn't want to tell her on the phone, but I'm like, this is gonna be kind of fun because you're, I'm, you're never allowed <laughs> to pull the alarm. Oh, I know. If so ever like that that's a big deal, right? Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So it was very exciting. I called 911 and I pulled the alarm. It turned out that my neighbor was, somebody said it was candles, but I don't know if that was actually verified. The firefighters didn't actually say what it was, but Uh it scorched like their whole, their wall, like, I think it was like three feet high or something like that. Honestly, can I just say, I know it would be impossible to regulate, but I think candles or anything like that should be banned from any communal like condo or apartment Mm. because, or, and smoking. And if not, there should be huge fines. And I know I'm getting serious here, but like there was a condo here where somebody threw a cigarette into a garbage can and the whole condo just like was up in flames. Oh my gosh. And that's like multiple people's homes belonging, yeah. right? It's not yeah. like it's just your house. It was you can scary set fire thinking to. like it could move yeah. so quickly. Like if it had really yeah. caught. Oh, like the firefighters yeah. went in. It took them like five minutes. They came back mm-hmm. out. They said, "Okay, oh, no, it's all but it's if safe." It's... But if it had actually really yeah. like caught on something, it would have yeah. spread really fast. Like that and was two doors down from goes me. Up for everybody, and mm-hmm. it's like so. All these people are put out. They lose everything, right? And it's just like, yeah. Oh, I can't with people and their candles and smoking. It's like, oh my gosh. No. <laughs> that being said, as we were standing out in the parking lot. I realized yeah. that I had a candle on my coffee table <laughs> that I left burning. <laughs> it was in a really big jar, so I'm like, even if it's there for okay. a while, it'll just burn itself out. It's okay. Everybody, including you, shush. <laughs> there are these new candles. You can get a giant pack at Costco where they look like flickering uh, I don't like lights. those ones. You will like them. They no, I like fl- the flickering. smells. We'll just spray some like <laughs> crap around the house. Like, I don't care. Oh Stop my god, I candles. was laughing so hard though because I'm standing there as the firefighters like going in and out and whatever, and they're like, "Everybody get out," kind of thing. And uh, I'm like, "Do I go back in to like blow out this candle?" But if I go in, then I need to explain why I'm going in. Then they're all going to think it's my, because I'm on the floor where it's happening. Like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to, like, play it cool. And then they said we could go in. And literally the first thing I did was, like, I ran into the apartment, didn't even take my, like, muddy shoes off and went and blew that candle out. It was, like, it's so small and not like a big deal but it's still I, I was can't. like the irony will not be good if oh my I gosh. burn my apartment down now <laughs> well the firefighters were there already so. yeah true <laughs> and then this morning at like 7 in the morning their stupid alarm went off again what? and I was like what I heard the beeping and I just like panicked 
Well, maybe they were like resetting it or testing it or something. I don't know. But I went out in the hall and my next door neighbor, who's like between me and the other people, Mm -hmm. he was standing out in the hall and I was like, again? And he's like, I know, I don't know what's going on. So he went to like go listen, but then it got turned off and I was like, don't freaking tell me people like... It's going to be a daily occurrence. And the worst part with like the alarm, like building wide alarms is like, I know when, um, remember that little apartment we were at that, uh, in downtown Edmonton, there was this oh, like, yeah. kind of new apartment the and they loft, were still working yeah, yeah. on, yeah, the loft. there's like construction and it's just a bunch of young kids basically living in this apartment complex, right? And, um, <laughs> young kids, we're all 12. <laughs> 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 no, but, um, yeah. And so with the construction, they would often trip the alarm the fire alarm oh yeah and so quite a few times like we'd all be out in the hallway looking at each other like uh do we leave like yeah or what and then it took like the one construction guy was really great he'd just come barreling down the stairs and scream like <laughs> no it's just me you're fine <laughs> but sometimes we didn't know right so we yeah. all kind of awkwardly and i think i was like the only person who actually left at one point because it wouldn't stop i'm like maybe i should just leave yeah well, like, that was, like, in uh, my old apartment building um, in Vancouver, we had, like, such an awesome thing. And the every year, the city would come twice a year and come and inspect. Like, it was mandatory that they came yeah. and inspected each of the smoke detectors. I've lived now in this apartment for over a year, and nobody's ever come to inspect our smoke detector. Like, if those Ooh. people had had like didn't have their smoke detector set up properly the building probably would have set on fire because like we wouldn't have known yeah and i was like how did the like the building smoke detector like the building detection thing not go off it's right outside my door so i don't know if it would need to come all the way down to my side of the building i don't know anyway it was crazy test it <laughs> okay. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Speaking of potential fire hazards, mm-hmm. I received the greatest gift I have ever received in my entire life. No way. Ever. A I didn't realize it would make candle me that cuz you yes. love them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't realize that this would make me so happy. I that I would be the happiest I think I've ever been in my whole what life. Is and it? I'm not exaggerating. The, the okay. joy a pre-lit Christmas tree. Oh. I am not kidding. Yeah. People, I Did struggled. you guys not have one yet? No. I had Jeez. to do all the, like, internal white lights. Oh, Then my the God. colorful lights for the theme. Oh, oh and your family's, like, neurotic series. about your... Or maybe it's right. you that's neurotic Me. about it. Well, not, it is. Yeah. Because it has to be all even and beautiful. Oh, God. But it's pre-lit. I'm, like, <laughs> beside myself. I'm still going to add extra colors, probably, like a ding-dong. But yeah, like, but then it's, like, optional. Uh, At least it's got the base there. And right. the old tree was like, because you have to like fan out the little, each mm-hmm. single branch. And, but all the like little um, plastic, like the little, what are they called? Needles. Yeah. We're just shedding everywhere. So you'd put this tree up and it was oh, like this carpet on the that's ground. That's what mine is now. The branches yeah. are starting to come off because it's quite old. Because yeah. I think I bought it still when you and I were living in Calgary. So that's yeah. like quite a long time ago. Yeah, ours is so ancient too. My branches are falling off, but I'm just like yeah. trying to tuck them back in. I'm like, you just stay in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but we finally caved. We're like, whatever, let's get a new tree. And I'm just like, I didn't realize I'd be that happy. It's amazing. So that was my happy thing. Also, That's can great. I just quickly say, uh-huh. Galaxy Quest is on Netflix now. Oh, my God. I watched it, and I forgot how freaking funny okay. it is. Okay. 
everybody stop listening to this podcast. No, wait. Listen to the rest of this episode, <laughs> then subscribe, <laughs> like it, and leave a review. <laughs> yes, please. And then go and watch Galaxy Quest, because it is yes. one of the best movies that has ever been made. Yes. It when totally Sigourney Weaver says, yeah. I've got one job on this ship, it's stupid, but I'm going to do but it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, yes. yes. And Laredo, the little Tommy character, like, I forgot how many funny lines he has. And oh, my like, God. And Guy. Let's Guy. get out of here before someone kills Guy. <laughs> I don't have a last name. <laughs> it's oh so good. It's gosh. basically, for anyone it's who doesn't so know, good. like a parody of, like, the Star Trek kind of show and... But it's so good. It's got Tim Allen in it, Sigourney Weaver. um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Oh, Uh, his character's so good. Sam Rockwell. Oh, I love Sam Rockwell. I know. Also a really good movie. I don't know if you've seen it before or not. It's called Mr. Right. Yes. I love that movie. I don't like Anna Kendrick, but I I don't like her, but I love her in that movie. Me too. And that movie is so cute. It is like the cutest little romantic comedy it you've is. ever seen. It's I know. awesome. Oh my gosh, I love that you like it. A little bit um, of action, a little bit of romance. Also, Great. I finally, finally got to see Parasite. That's also on Netflix. Oh, it's on my list. Oh I haven't my seen it yet. gosh. It is. Okay, it's a little like... It was a tiny bit heavy-handed with like the kind of symbolic imagery for me. Okay. But I'm a like, little snooty, you know person yeah. film film watcher but like yeah dang yeah you're very analytical about things yeah yeah but it's so good like amazing i watched so. um what did i watch recently i watched squid games oh was Have that you watched that yet not yet you know <laughs> it actually kind of is yeah it's my dad weird. was saying it's better than parasite i'm like why are you comparing it is it just because they're korean like come on. probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same they all look the same he Ooh. only watches korean shows so i don't know why he compared the two it's so funny that he's but... so obsessed with korean shows oh i know mostly soap operas but still <laughs> and he'll t- come to me and be like it's a historical document I'm oh my like, god no it's not <laughs> no <laughs> that's not actually what it's like in korea does he want to go to korea you should um, get that Japan, as a gift. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Let's just ship him off to Korea. <laughs> Let them deal yeah. with him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no yeah, comment. Squid Games is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's awfully silent over there. Um, Squid Games is pretty good. It reminds me of Battle Royale. Like, everything's kind of... Oh, remember Battle Royale? Yeah, I do. Japanese movie. That was really good. That was, like, so good, so violent. If anybody also hasn't seen that, but they have an interest in kind of like, it's like the OG Hunger Games without all the weird actual competitions and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, like this it's like teacher... Lord of the Flies. It's like Carla. It's like How Lord old are you? Kind of. Yeah. But it's not. But it's not. It's really good. So it for is. anybody who's like kind of a movie buff and wants to track down this old Japanese movie called Battle Royale, I would recommend yeah. it. It's surprisingly it, good. Yeah. It's, it's very violent yeah. though, so like, if, but if you like Squid Games, you'll probably like this. Oh, Squid, Squid Games, Games is like violent? It's pretty violent, yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a bunch of people who join this game, and like the game is that they could get killed if they don't complete it properly, like each se- oh. section of it. And if they win, Dang. they get a bunch of money. See, so I've they- been just reading all like the people, like the critiques of it, mm. not the reviews, but like critiques of like the translation and everything. And but I'm right. like dying to see it. People are just loving it. I think you should watch it. I oh I, I will. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit slow at some times of like how mm-hmm. 
kind of the story progression where you're like, okay, get on with it. Get on with like the yeah. game part because yeah. you're like, it is, it does a pretty good job of making you freaking terrified. Ooh. It's like, it sounds that, so good. It's yeah. like that anxiety you get when you're like, there's a time limit or like when oh, I was no. a kid and we'd play yeah. cops and robbers <laughs> and you knew somebody was like chasing you, but you didn't know where they were, you know, yeah. like, but imagine if you were playing a game and if you did not win, they would shoot you in the head. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Basically. I so, will definitely watch it. You should be watch crying. it. Yeah. I tried watching um, Cowboy Bebop, the remake. I it, watched that. It's visually great. I th- and I wanted to support it so bad because I love John Cho and he looks amazing as the main character. I never really watched the original. Just a little snippet. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Uh, it was just an anime back in the day and uh, oh, okay. kind of a cult classic. And I tried so hard. I stuck with it for like three episodes and it's just not for me. And I'm devastated because it's like oh. I really, really wanted to like it and support it. I hate that. It's when had you such really good like, like diverse something. casting and it just looks really good. And But mm, I was so like, no, that's it's not the, for me. That's like the, one of the most disappointing feelings for me. Right. But yeah. on the flip side, one of the absolute best feelings is when you have zero expectations of a show yes. or a movie or something and yeah. it ends up being so awesome. Yeah. That's I the best. I can't think of any examples of that. But I can't yes. think of any examples either. <laughs> It didn't happen. It's never happened. We're Let's really do this. Place. Okay. Who Whose goes first? I think I it's think me. You, I think you go first. <gasps> I prepared so well. Oh my gosh. That's and exciting. It is one of the like richest topics I've ever um, researched. And I w- encourage anybody to like look further into it after I'm done blabbing. Um, it also has the craziest facts in the history of the world. I love it so much. No way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I started by, like, I wanted to do the color wheel and who invented the color wheel and all that. Ooh. But it became so boring and so scientific <laughs> and so technical. Oh, yeah. By the way, it was uh, Sir Isaac Newton who did the color wheel. Are you serious? What? Right. Because the color prism thing with the, like, prism... Of light Who's Newton? He's the light. apple guy, the gravity guy. He's the apple guy. guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I know. What's he doing? Right? But that's, th- that's it. it. That's, the whole, that's guys. all that was that's interesting it? about Damn. color rails. And I was like, that's eh. basically my topic this, this week, so it, it's good that okay. you've got a pretty deep one. It was... No it pressure. is interesting, but it's so it was so convoluted, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm too dumb for this. Like, do you ever have it? I genuinely believe that there is a limit to your intelligence, not your intelligence, just anybody's intelligence. Isn't where, that actually a thing? It didn't we it learn might, that in psychology that maybe. there's like you have a range? <laughs> yeah, but I actually felt my brain hit that wall. Of like, no, I will not grasp this. It's like mid sentence, <laughs> and I couldn't grasp. It wasn't just I didn't want to. It's like I couldn't. My brain was like, no, oh my God. Carla. Like, you can't handle this information, so just, just walk away. That totally made me think, this is so unrelated <laughs> and off-topic, but it made me think, like, you stopping kind of, like, mid-sentence, like, Kate, that's that's the limit of it, was when we were in university together, and we always would fall asleep in class, but, like... <laughs> The, you, there were like three of us in our classes together so we always w- would make sure like case one person's awake and taking notes and we'll share with the others 
And so there'd be a lot of times where I'd be like, oh, look, Carla's taking notes. So cool. I can just chill if I miss a bit and I end up falling asleep in class or whatever. Carla's got this. Yeah. She had taught herself how to, like, take notes basically in her sleep. Like, she was pretending. So you'd look at her notes and it would be, like, a few (laughs) words, like half a sentence. And then it would just, like, the word would just trail off, like, halfway down on the page like with her pen or pencil like back in the day when we had to make like take manual notes oh my, oh my gosh. gosh and we and then the words that actually were really written out did not make any sense like it was so nonsensical but my drive oh to my write God. notes was so strong was that so even while strong. I was sleeping and so then when we like would get together to study and like do our like review our notes and stuff we'd freak out on Carla because we're like why just go to like if you're gonna not do anything like these notes don't help us so then I was like I was never fooled by her note taking again I'm like damn it I always have to take notes honestly you had the best notes the best notes my notes never made sense I would also do like a type of like shorthand so that I'd be like what does this even mean I started doing that with my research for this podcast. Oh God, I, I was like, I don't know what I mean. Your shorthand that you had no idea what your abbreviations meant at no. all. And it would be the constant debate of like, well, it could either be this or it could be that. And it would change the whole meaning. And you of have the a memory of like, I don't even know what has a good memory. Elephants. Oh my gosh. Where yeah. you had the best I had pretty memory. Pretty good memory. No, excellent. Let's be clear here. So I would have the audacity like to argue with you (laughs) most of our study time was spent with you arguing against my notes i'm like okay so i just be quiet and i'm like well i'm gonna learn it this way you can learn it whichever way you want during the test i'd be like what did Kristen say (laughs) (laughs) anyway sorry that was such an aside that's good okay so speaking okay so we did art history in school this kind of got me into that okay so color wheel (laughs) i'm like screw this but i stumbled across um information about pigments so i'm doing pigments oh so like paint this actually kind of ties into my topic a little bit (laughs) no yeah the first time oh my gosh a little little bit it's not like overlapping but it's just like it's actually really good i'm glad you're going first because it's a good like precursor to mine okay (laughs) Because I only delve a tiny bit into, like, paint techniques and that kind of thing. It's not really. It's genuinely. Okay. I'm just going to go right into it. Okay. Oh, just really quickly. For anybody listening for first time or whatever, um, all of this research was done by all these other people, amazing people online. Um, So seek out this information on your own and go support those writers and everything because I'm basically just regurgitating a bunch of fun facts here so it's not my research I'm not claiming to like have come up with these things I didn't go into dusty library um, to, to find all these facts or anything it's just yeah so I just want to I have too many sources here I'd be listing for about 10 minutes okay um but I promise uh this is amazing. Okay. So. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited. This is like the best thing ever. And you'll be like, this is stupid. Okay. So uh, it starts kind of dry, but ochre, ochre, mm-hmm. O-C-H-R-E for anyone who doesn't know, 
is the oldest known pigment in the world. It's an earth-based pigment. Other earth-based pigments are sienna and umber. So people have probably okay. heard of those right. um, colors. Um, so just really quickly, pigment is anything that can kind of like be at like any, you know what, screw it. People know what pigments are. I have so much information, I have to shut up. Okay. Pokers okay. <laughs> are natural min- minerals found in iron-rich soil with varying pro- proportions of iron, oxygen, and hydrogen. The intensity of color depends on the degree of oxidation and hydration of the iron oxides, and the color becomes browner depending on the percentage of manganese dioxide and mm-hmm. redder based on the percentage of hematite. That was all very technical, but... I just wanted to kind of set the scene. Oh my that. gosh, that kind of stuff fascinates me so much. Actually, this year I was right. thinking of getting into like rock hounding, like seriously, Ooh. because like all of these like crazy minerals and rocks and stuff you can find, they're just like in the ground yeah. underneath us and we think that it's nothing and you can smash one open and there's like a bloody, like there's a gem inside of it or something like, yeah. it's so cool. My nephew's friend just found one like with this beautiful geode Whoa. inside and I'm just like, what? How did you? Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Anyway, sorry. So people think ochre is red, but it's actually a naturally occurring yellow mineral pigment. Oh, really? And depending on the recipe, it comes in a wide range of colors from light yellow to red to brown. See, Um, I just always imagine kind of like a rusty kind of rusty red. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention the color at first. I just wanted to say ochre. Cool. um, Heat treating can change the color of ochre, and there's evidence of this being done as far back as the Middle Stone Age. Um, they found a cave site in South Africa, actually. Cool. Um, ochre provided red, yellow, and brown paints for a wide range of uses, such as rock art, prehistoric cave art, and even human tattoos. Mm-hmm. It is also associated with human burial sites as well. Uh, one burial site was covered in ochre. Uh, they found it in a cave, actually, uh, and they dated it to the Upper Paleo- Paleolithic. So it's about 23,000 years ago. Whoa. Um, but this is the craziest. The earliest known use of ochre so far that was found is from a Homo erectus site that is about 285,000 years old. Holy cow. And by 250,000 to 200,000 years old, Neanderthals were also using ochre and Whoa. still in use today. So it's like that's the most so original So it must have basic. been like readily available then, hey? Yeah, it was just found in the soil. and Yeah. They kind of like, yeah. Crazy. Um, what did they use it for back then? They would often, often hard into it as well. Oh, really? So. Yeah. Really, really? <laughs> well, um, there is some amazing art back in the, mm. like some of the cave paintings. But yeah. I'll get to that. But um, so uh, also cover like white was one of their original pigments and black, but that's later. Okay. Uh, so just generally, I'm going to do a quick development thing. So as we go forward in time, we find many ancient civilizations developing more advanced processes for making pigments. The Egyptian, Chinese, Harapan, Phoenician, and Greek civilizations are known for huge contributions to pigment making. So basically what happened is earth colors were cleaned and washed, uh, increasing their strength and purity. And along came new pigments from minerals such as malachite, azurite, and cinnabar. And some specific examples of like innovation just for funsies um egyptians developed the lake making process and lakes are actually a type of pigment okay like literally like water lake but they mix natural dyes with a metallic salt and what the lake isn't water soluble so um, they'd mix it with like 
but it was soluble with like oil and that kind of okay, thing. So yep. it would kind of coat um, objects and stuff. Oh. It wasn't like literal like, ooh, water painting time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much, much later, Italians roasted earth colors, sienna and umber. So that's how you get burnt sienna and burnt umber. You probably oh, heard the no term. no way. Right? Yeah. Um, the Chinese were noted for Han or Chinese purple. Uh, they found evidence of that about 1200 BC. I didn't really get to delve into right. Chinese purple, but they're also noted for vermilion, which Ooh. has kind of a mysterious past, and I will get to that later. Cool. So um, I'm going to jump around a little bit now because sure. I want to focus on like specific pigments. It's much more exciting that way. Okay. Um, it's like the best way to organize it because each individual pigment has its own a story and became like a huge lucrative thing and like oh my you gosh know, like a huge industry right? well yeah because wasn't it like it ended up becoming very symbolic of like which people could afford which colors and stuff yeah for their clothing exactly. i guess that's for dyes and stuff later but yeah but i guess but that, it's the same thing right? it's the same it yeah. is the same. okay yeah. Okay, so I'll start with cinnabar. I'm going to kind of ease mm. us into it, and by the end, it's going to be complete insanity. Okay. So, white and lead white. Oh, sorry, did I already say I'm going to organize this by color? Um, I think so. Or, okay, or, sorry. Yeah, by pigment, yeah. So, one of the original colors ever in any kind of art, cave paintings and whatnot, is white. Okay. Um, it People used calcite or chalk in cave paintings and stuff. A great example of where you'll see white and ochre and black is the Lascaux caves in France. Oh, yeah. I looked up the pronunciation. Ooh, Apparently hey. it's Lascaux. So I'm like, oh, okay. weird. And they're about 27,000 years old. Um, but what I want to focus on is something called lead white. Ooh. This is my favorite sentence I think I've ever read in any research. <laughs> okay. okay. Ready? Of all the pigments that have been banned over the centuries, the color most missed by painters is likely lead white. (laughs) (laughs) So that sets the tone perfectly. (laughs) So many pigments are banned. We'll get into it. Oh my gosh, because they kill everybody probably, right? (laughs) Well, basically. It's just asbestos white. (laughs) 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 The reason artists completely lost their shit over, like, uh, lead white was because it was the first fully opaque white and it captured and reflected light like nothing else so it was Whoa. like okay opaque is the one coveted. that's like not, not see-through. see-through yeah okay and i, I always don't know if it was the actual... it up thinking that it is see-through right not... no and okay. i don't know if it was the actual uh, lead white or a byproduct of when they made it that people use, like um, Queen Elizabeth, when they like would paint their faces white in the olden days. Oh, oh, it's a cosmetic. So yes, they were literally putting lead on their faces. So oh my gosh, they'd lose crazy. their hair and they'd even die from it. And stuff. Sorry, total side note, kind of on yeah. that topic. I just listened to uh, the most recent episode of Morbid, this other podcast. Yeah, and they did like kind of a lighthearted episode, and they talked all <laughs> about like the. Um, the crazy stories behind the making of the Wizard of Oz movie, the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because they put, like, for the Tin Man, they put, like, aluminum, like, powder on his face. And the guy, oh, like, almost gosh. died from that. And, like, the, the Wicked Witch of, like, the with the green paint all over yeah. her face, they had to fully, like, remove it because it was, like, copper. And it would have killed her if they hadn't, like, scrubbed every single bit off every single day. 
it was like so toxic what? and it was just so normal for them to be putting it all over them oh like it God. was nothing <laughs> and so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway go ahead <laughs> sorry but yeah on a note with about the lead um lead white was banned in 1978 um i'm not sure if that was all over the world How did it or last where that long i know well actually another site said that even though there are trade restrictions you can still actually buy it in small amounts no way. so i don't know if that's true or not i'm assuming there's think... actual lead in there right mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah so i want to get to the origin of lead white okay all these origin stories of these pigments is just the best thing ever <laughs> so um as you'll soon find out most early new pigments have the most insane production methods ever um like I said before, I've never encountered so, encountered so many fun facts in my life. So it's just going to be fun awesome. fact after fun fact. Excellent. So lead white was developed by the Greeks, although research was a little bit muddled for me because there was also a Dutch process type of lead white. So I don't know okay. who invented what. But anyway, generally lead white, mm-hmm. um, the process was time consuming to make it. What you needed to do was corrode strips of lead with acetic acid and they would use vinegar back in the day. Okay in the presence of carbon dioxide. And for that, they would use animal dung. No usually. way. So you're layering lead strips with vinegar and animal poop, basically. Uh. They would put it into a vessel of some sort. You'd let it like, you let it sit for a few days, you open it, then you scrape those strips and you keep those flakes just kind of, I don't know if they've kept it aside or just let it float to the okay. bottom or what. But you'd repeat this over and over until that original lead strip was gone. Whoa. Right, so it's kind of like corroding and like leaving right. these white flakes behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, it took about six to 14 weeks. And when the lead strip has completely dissolved, you take what's left, you make it into a powder, and then you boil it. And they sold it either as like a, pow- a paste or a powder. It didn't really matter because it could have water that in seems it. They didn't care. so elaborate, like such a crazy... Right? So how did they come up with this? Yeah. That's my question with this process. If the Greeks yeah, like, did there invent was it... some one guy there that like it happened yeah. by accident... How a lead strip and With animal vinegar. dung and you vinegar? End up putting like all your animal poop <laughs> and lead <laughs> and vinegar. You store it in the same closet, <laughs> <laughs> and it got mixed together, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I was like, okay. And also I thought that vinegar, would be like, great. how does that? Yeah. How did they? How, where did that's that come what from? I wonder. Yeah. Uh-oh. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> next episode, joint episode about yeah. vinegar. <laughs> so I thought that was going to be the craziest thing. The next ones are more normal. Okay. So I don't know. Some people say you pronounce this cochineal. Some people say cochineal. Okay. I'll say cochineal just because it's fun to say. Mm-hmm. So cochineal or carmine red. Um, a cochineal bug is only found on the prickly pear cactus in Mexico. Whoa. The ancient Aztecs were the first ones to domesticate this bug, and the Aztec word for the bug is actually, it actually means cactus blood. Wait a second, they domesticated a bug? I think they just kind of cool. like... Yeah, yeah like right? probably like harvested it and... Harvest, like, yeah. Kinda, like maybe the in the same way that we have beekeepers, I would assume mm-hmm. they, that yeah, bees to, to some like extent would be considered domesticated. Yeah, exactly. You know. Right. Okay. Interesting. It takes about 70,000 cochineal bugs to make a pound of pigment. Oh, my God. And it's the female, actually, that they have to use. So it's only the female that produces carminic acid, which results in this potent red dye. So it's this very bright red. Whoa. Um, It 
also known as carmine red, this pigment became the third greatest import out of the New World after gold and silver. No way. What? Right. Whoa. The color became a symbol of wealth and status, and um, only um, rulers would wear the cloth that was dyed right. in this Cochineal red. Much later, well, the must Irish... must have been, like, so expensive if you're yeah. getting it brought over from the New World and it can't exist anywhere know, right? else. Right. Whoa. I know. And then we screwed up the Aztecs forever. It's like, what the, what's wrong with us? Can't we, we just go and take what we want? Oh, bitch. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty ironic that we're making these statements and it's American Thanksgiving today as we're recording this. It is? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Full <laughs> uh, Much later, the Irish actually called British military uniforms red coats. So if you've ever heard that mm, expression, mm-hmm. red coats. Um, so lower ranking men, their uniforms were dyed with like a, a matter root kind of red dye. So it wasn't as good. But the top ranking guys had cochineal red. So they had the proper Whoa. red red. So that's like kind of the okay. red coat thing. Cool. Okay. Now I'm skipping to ultramarine blue. What? Okay. Okay. So since medi- medieval times, um, if you know anything about like art history or whatever, you'll know that Mary's robes were painted blue. Right. Yeah. Uh, that specific ultramarine blue, it was like a religious symbol, but it had a hefty price tag. And the reason, again, it was very specific. So ultramarine blue comes from lapis lazuli, the, I guess, okay. stone. Yeah. Ge- oh, a gemstone here. So a gemstone that for centuries could only be found in a single mountain range in Afghanistan. No way. Um, it's also called true blue or royal blue. Um, some people true claim the Phoenicians, blue, which we'll cover later made royal blue but i kind of feel like yeah i don't know how far back um maybe they did make it anyway so uh, also richest... marine was kind of like the first type of blue that sorry is that what you were yes. saying? i was singing true blue while you were talking i think it was <laughs> okay yes it is the first yeah yeah it is okay the first blue um, yeah super ancient crazy because um, i just assumed it would be like the you know like the royal blue or the because like back in the olden times wait all you no. see in movies is like the typical like red and blue you know like not ultramarine or you know no i know nice right? light colors ultramarine is definitely like yeah just the lapis color but then sorry right. there's also indigo which i cover later oh so i can't okay. quite remember which one's older sorry okay i don't, I don't know it's totally fine so, yeah, so this is also called royal blue and stuff, but um, the richest patrons could afford it. So, again, money talks. Yeah. Only the rich could use this pigment, right? Well, because that's crazy. Um, thinking of that, at, like, even thinking of that now, like, mm-hmm. trying to get, like, ultramarine pigment from Afghanistan now mm-hmm. with Amazon and with, uh, like, planes <laughs> and all this stuff still would yeah. be difficult. Like, it still would take some, quite some time for you to get your hands on it. I wonder if they still To a degree, it. right? But on think that of note, it back then. How how much money would you have to have <laughs> to make that happen? Oh, I know. That's yeah. crazy. And the amount of work Whoa. that goes into some yeah. of these, right? It's like, what? Yeah. Um, in 1828, a chemist created the low-cost French ultramarine, a French chemist. Okay. It was chem- chemically the same as the genuine ultramarine color, but it was finer and had no impurities of the la- lapis rock. Okay. So generally around the 1800s, that's when they were doing creating synthetic pigments, Oh, so. wow. Okay. Uh, there's also an ancient uh, Egyptian blue that was made somewhere around 3000 BCE, and also a Mayan blue, which is like a really pretty turquoise kind of Ooh. pigment, but I'm not getting into that. Okay. I'm skipping to Prussian blue. Ooh. Ooh. 
1704, chemist color maker Heinrich Diesbach was messing around with a pigment uh, recipe, which called for cochineal insects that we talked about, Mm -hmm. um, alum, iron, sulfate, and potash. It's potash, right? Or potash? I think it's potash. Potash? Yeah. Yeah. He actually ran out of potash, so he borrowed some from a friend. (laughs) That's how the article put it. Okay. "Okay." (laughs) Was that necessary? Some eggs and potash, sure. (laughs) (laughs) The potash was contaminated with an iron cyanide kind of thing, which resulted in a deep blue substance. It was actually the first chemically synthesized color. No way. Again, this is Prussian blue. And in um, paintings, it's actually kind of like this weird light blue. Oh. Um, Even though they say it's a deep blue, but it kind of comes across. It's very like, but um, he sold it to painters at the Prussian court, hence the name Prussian blue, I guess. Yeah. By 1710, it arrives in Paris and artists like Watteau, Fregonard, and Boucher used it like liberally. Um, Yeah. And so apparently artists could now produce the full color wheel and use blue just wherever they wanted on the canvas because it was such a like vibrant, rich blue. They didn't have to do like weird... um, uh, what's the color wheel thing where you have to use what is it called the opposite colors complementary colors the complementary color have to kind yeah. of put certain colors beside each other so it would stand out on the canvas now they have right. a chance to be like let's party oh, they could just go to town and have that yeah. color be vibrant okay yeah wow. okay so the next few colors um, are just super brief okay because okay. I can't wait to get to the good stuff so <laughs> and since I'm talking about the master painters this fits into that category so yeah um, yellow you Again, I like yellow is usually from ochre or saffron even, but oh. that, and that's like ancient. Like I think the Minoans even used saffron yellow, but um, they developed synthetic chrome yellow, um, and artists like Turner and Van Gogh were obsessed with it. Um, oh, this okay. chrome yellow was lead based, so again, it could cause mm. delirium, and some people claimed it like caused some deaths and whatnot. Right, right. And like Van Gogh's like weird. he's nuts, yeah, yeah. Green. Okay, so Ooh. green pigments have been some of the most poisonous in history. There was a Schiele's green, or Schiele's green, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. In 1775, a Swedish chemist named Carl Wilhelm Schiele, or Schiele, invented Schiele's green, which was laced with arsenic. Oh. It was cheap and extremely popular, so people <laughs> were just having at it with this arsenic paint. <laughs> Gimme. Then they were like, let's make a more durable version of this green it's called paris green it was made with copper and arsenic (laughs) it was used by monet cezanne renoir it was also used as a rodenticide and insecticide (laughs) so you could paint beautiful paintings my gosh (laughs) and kill the rats around you (laughs) you know what's crazy is that isn't that even like now some of the um i know like the little ant like insecticide stuff or yeah. do they come in like little green blocks. They're green, maybe not. Oh, I think I, I remember that from like snicker. years and years. No, probably maybe not. But are. it's interesting that they are green color. <laughs> well, it's poison. Maybe, they so are. maybe yeah. it is. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> uh, briefly about purple. Um, in 1841, some guy. Okay, so also the advent of because um, pigments generally, if you buy them now, they're usually um, just crushed up powder powders that you'd have to mix with. So in the old days, it would be natural stuff like resin, wax, okay. oils, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same now. Like I actually had some pigment and it's just powdered. Color. It's so cool. It's just powder. Cool. You have to mix it. But um, 
the problem with that is like you have to mix individual colors and it's this whole thing. So in 1841, some guy grew frustrated with the messy practice of storing paint in a pig's bladder. So that was for like yeah, that was what they had bladders. to do to carry it's really around, inconvenient. right? And he invented a more practical and portable option, a collapsible paint tube made of tin. No way. So all yeah. the artists, Monet and the gang, they were like, dang, we could do pre-mixed paints. And they were oh like, my gosh. let's make purple. <laughs> so purple That's became so this Oh my gosh! The first really po- and that's why an impressionist ends up being brown. They're like everywhere. mixing them all together, and they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. It's true. You always end up with brown. You always end up with brown. Always. You have like some great color, and then you're like, I'll just get to put in a little bit more of this. Or what if I put in a bit of this, and then it turns brown, and you're like, damn it, I got too greedy. <laughs> it all went to hell. It's true. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so apparently manganese violet, because they could finally like pre-mix red and blue. Yeah. Became That's all the rage. So like in, in the impressionist paintings, you'll see like purple everywhere, right? Oh yeah. All, like, the, yeah, they really right? went to town with that purple. <laughs> yes. Man. And they could also paint outside, right? Like the on plain, plain air or whatever yeah. technique. So they were happy. Um, a brief note on black. Uh, the darkest pigment found in old masters paintings is aptly named aptly named bone black and it's produced by burning animal bones in an air-free chamber um one article said it was collected from the soot of burning animal fats um also charcoal just generally was i feel like yeah would it have to be burning animal fats i guess so but like that's awfully maybe because the fats kind of made uh, long lasting okay it's yeah just uh charcoal can wash off easily right so oh yeah okay fair enough right so um those back to that lasco cave i might put a thing up on instagram because the pictures in that cave are like phenomenal like the mm. lions and everything i don't know who that artist was but i'm like yeah. damn you're a master <laughs> anyway no, for real. His, but remember? Yeah, I know. <laughs> remember? I also saw um, in when I was in uh, in Namibia, we went to and saw the these this white lady painting, and yeah. it was like white cave paintings that were like Ooh. super duper old that I think are on par with those Lascaux cave ones. <gasps> nice. Yeah. yeah, but they were all white, so it was interesting that you said the white thing earlier, too. Okay, so vermilion or cinnabar was developed in China in 2,000 years before it was used by the Romans. Okay. Um, it was prized as the first known bright red. It was made of mercury sulfide, a highly toxic natural mineral. So Whoa. again, with this toxic stuff. I don't know a thing about human migration, but one article said that um, the oldest known like uh, use was found in a burial site in modern Turkey that's eight to 9,000 years old. So I don't quite know how the Chinese were moving like, around. Moving around. Yeah. Uh, the cool. Oh yeah, the mystery of Vermilion. How could I not get into this? <laughs> I so, <don't> know. <laughs> right? Okay. So there is a famous Mayan tomb dated to the seventh century. Okay. Uh, I think I'm assuming BCE. Yeah. A woman dubbed the Red Queen was found covered in cinnabar in her in her tomb and it was this crazy Whoa. find and i'm like wait a Why? minute the mayans had vermilion oh yeah cinnabar right and then the chinese had it and i'm like dang so who really and you just want to know like the individual story of that person where it's like how did right? that happen and why did it happen 
Yeah. Oh, right? Exactly thing. All right. So last two. So indigo blue, huge. Um, I don't really want to do indigo blue. I kind of want to skip it. Do I have time okay. for... Do whatever you want. You know what? I'm going to skip it. Anyone okay. who wants to know, it's really, really cool. Um, it just really quickly became one of the most valuable um, pigments. And it was actually used as currency at one point because it was no so way. valuable. It's called blue gold. Ooh, and cool. Yeah. Um, it came from the Indus Valley. They found it like about 30, like 3000 to 1000 BC. Um, I want to skip to Tyrian purple. This is my last one. And it's okay. amazing. Ooh. I can't. Uh, <laughs> or Tyrian. I'm not quite sure because the town it's named after is Tyre. T-Y-R-E. I Googled okay. how to pronounce it. Apparently it's just Tyre. In and that's in modern Lebanon. So Tyrian okay. purple or royal purple Ooh. signified power and wealth because it was insane to make. Like just again, oh. another insane process. So in tw- about 1200 BCE, they say the Phoenicians mastered the process. Um, and this royal purple color apparently became brighter with weathering and sunlight. So What? Right? Whoa. Can you imagine? Yeah. I know. So um, the purple was was used by the Greeks and Romans. It cost a freaking fortune. (laughs) So only fancy Romans could afford it. And even then, they would have like just a strip of this purple on their togas. Um, By the fourth century, only the emperor was allowed to wear the color. Holy cow. He might have had a completely purple toga with like gold strip. So that would be like, Like, whoa. Just a purple beacon of... You and know, then he like trails and gets a grass stain on it and has to kill right, himself. Right, to make him a new one. Yeah. Did you say he has to kill himself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The indignity. Okay, so they aren't sure how ancient people made the dye. Some modern scientists are figuring it out now. They're, they're trying to do it in the labs and stuff. Okay. But this is what they do know, okay? It's made from a secretion from the murex snail, a sea snail. It took 12,000 snails to produce 1.4 grams of pure dye, which would cover just the trim of one garment. Whoa. Yeah. So some people said you can like kind of like irritate them to make to like make them release this (laughs) thing. So it's like a sustainable way of getting this like secretion out of them. Or you just kill them, them. but they they. Probably, Probably did. did. According to archaeological data from Tyre, snails were collected in large vats and left to decompose. Oh my god. Gross. It produced a quote, hideous stench. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they've also found substantial numbers of murex shells in Crete, suggesting that the Minoans may have made the dye centuries before the Phoenicians. No way. So they don't they're not quite sure. Wow. Um, after Constantinople was sacked, they really couldn't afford to make this dye anymore. Um, in 1453. Right? Constantinople. <laughs> so they turned to vermilion instead. So that's kind of where vermilion okay. took root. Um, one archaeologist actually said they found um, that purple dye, like the snails again in ancient Mexico. So. Whoa. Apparently These snails got snails around. Were, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is the best part of everything. And that's why I couldn't wait to get to the end. Murex dyed clothes smelled really, really awful. <laughs> and it might have lasted as long as the color did. <gasps> <laughs> 
In an ancient Egyptian text, it says, the hands of the dyer reek like rotting fish. Oh, so, oh no. That's awful. Yeah. So pervasive was the stench that the Talmud specifically granted women the right to divorce any husband who became a dyer after marriage. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to make all this money, baby. Don't worry. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. You smell like fish. Right? Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Super quick. I just want to go back to indigo. I should have just done indigo. Whatever. Um, People keep trying to um, give credit to this, like, 16-year-old daughter of some lieutenant governor guy. He Mm. was like, here's some plantations, honey. Why don't you grow something? And she's like, okay, daddy. And then her and her husband were like... Let's build or plant indigo, but I love that she really, had a husband they had no clue, right? Yeah. They had no clue how to actually pro- like make it happen, uh, success like make the plants grow and everything. Yeah, and uh, surprise, su- no surprise here. It was actually the slaves who were like, "Okay, step aside, little girl." Jeez, oh, <laughs> they brought the technique from West Africa. They were like, "We know no, what we're right. doing here, indigo." They should have just what you do. let her fail. Right. Like, oh, they're better people. So apparently, it's like this, like, um, big thing, like in certain African cultures, like they have like the beautiful indigo kind of like fabrics mm. and stuff like that. And it was like a status symbol for them too, and that kind of thing. Cool. So, that's it. Wow. That's Can you imagine? Awesome. Okay, let's just walk through my life. So here I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna do pigments. Why not? <laughs> and then I thought it'd be like really scientific. Like this guy in a lab did this, which happened. Yeah. But, like arsenic decaying snails people were like using it as currency like i love that i can't i'm so excited right now so cool that's always fascinated me and it's i love that you did this because it leads so perfectly (gasps) into my topic and in my topic there are talk of pigments and i actually thought hmm wouldn't that be interesting to do to talk about like where did all these colors (gasps) come from and i was like no No. i'm not going to delve into that because i'm doing kind of a different topic so whatever we'll just have (laughs) to cover that some other day so it's crazy (sighs) that you did this i love it that is crazy Okay, so what's your topic? I am doing this week. We kind of talked about it the other day during one of our topics that we love the colors, uh, but they never turn out the same as they are on the wrapper. I am doing the origin of crayons. (gasps) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, so my sources for this are Wikipedia, Crayola.com, obviously, Uh, todayifoundout.com, kidsdiscover.com, and Smithsonian Magazine. Nice. Um, okay, so in modern English speaking, in the modern English speaking word, the term crayon is commonly associated with the standard wax crayon, and it's primarily used by children for coloring. But they didn't <laughs> start that way. Uh-huh. Crayons, as we know them today, were being developed all over the place. So, like, and kind of at the same time, like, it actually, oh, wax crayons became like a really competitive field, and there were so <laughs> many companies doing it. Um, so wow. their origin is a little bit vague of like the actual origin because a lot of people were doing right. it at the same time. Yeah. Um. So I've kind of like it was a Micmac. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Probably. Hockey sticks and crayons. 
there were a bunch of snails doing something. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I'm traumatized forever. My God. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of split it up into like the different types of origins, like some of the ways that they came about. And I've got some specific information in there. Um, but there was a lot of stuff going on with them by a lot of different people. So whatever. Okay. I've just focused on certain things. <laughs> Deal with That's it. What I did. Yeah. Get really defensive. That's my stance now. <laughs> At the beginning of all my things, just get really defensive and nobody will argue with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the ancient origins were, um, so the idea to combine a form of wax with pigment goes back to classical history. Encaustic painting is a technique that uses hot beeswax combined with colored pigment to bind the color to the stone. Side note, I actually got to see a encaustic painter guy, his studio, I got to watch him do encaustic painting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was really cool. But anyway. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, then a heat source is used to fix the image in place. So that's encaustic painting. It was used back by the Egyptians, the Romans, the Greeks, um, and even indigenous people in the Philippines. And it's Ooh. still used today. Um, Pliny the Elder, who's a Roman scholar, was thought to describe the first techniques of wax crayon drawings. What? Um, like through this. like there. Hey, he came up in my research too. Oh, yeah? Dude had a lot of opinions Damn, about art. Pliny the Elder. He's the only one who knew how to write. That's why he's like, I, I, I'll t- tell everybody what I think. <laughs> and that's how it goes. <laughs> um, so, however, like, this whole process wasn't made into a form that was intended to be held and, like, colored with. Like, they didn't create the actual crayon like that would be like a pencil so that you could write with right. it so that never happened in the ancient times right um so in europe some of the first cylinder shaped crayons were made with charcoal and oil um and pastels share roots with the modern crayon and date back to leonardo da vinci in 1495 oh some Dang. early french artists including francois cluet or cluet um, who lived from 1510 to 1572, and Nicolas L- Lagno, uh, who lived from 1590 to 1666. They used crayons in their early art projects. <gasps> Cluet used crayons for his modeled portraits, which were so elaborate that he caught the attention of Henry V, who knighted him. He ended up becoming a court... <laughs> a- <laughs> Sorry. This is beautiful. I knight you. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A great job. Be a knight. It's like a gold star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He became a court painter and his entire art career began and consisted of wax crayon art. Like, or he he put it in his art all the time. For a second, I just imagined law court. I'm like, wait, they had those? You know, like the court drawing artists? <laughs> Oh my, that's I'm probably so exactly what it was. Some guy just yelling <laughs> from the stand. Thought that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm done. And then, like, no, um, Nicholas, like, no, illustrated his portraits with outlines in wax crayons with tints of watercolor. What? So these guys were like actual artists and they were using wax crayons. It, the, now, the wax crayons at this time were not like Crayola, like what we think of now. Right, right. But they were kind of the beginning, the <gasps> beginnings of that's it. still like more mixed media than I expected. Whoa. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I was surprised by that. Right? 
Um, so Conté crayons were created in Paris in 1795, and they were a hybrid between a pastel and a conventional crayon. Um, they're composed of compressed powdered graphite or charcoal mixed with a clay base, and they were used by artists as like a drawing crayon, and they're still used today. But they're kind of like basic colors and stuff like that. Hey, that's like those earliest pigments. They're like usually mixed with clay. The yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. So following this, various hues of powdered pigment eventually replace the primary charcoal ingredient in these oh. things. So as pigments came about, they started gradually adding the pigments into these mixtures where they were making these little crayons to do art with, basically. Oh my gosh, can you imagine little lapis lazuli baby crayons? And <laughs> no. Mommy! <laughs> They're just squirting out like a little snail right onto their like, <laughs> things. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, references to crayons in literature appear as early as 1813 in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. What? And there was a guy, this guy in France, uh, Joseph Le Mercier, who I couldn't really find that much information about, who was one of the inventors of the modern crayon. And in 1828, his company in Paris produced a bunch of crayon and color-related products for, like, artists and stuff. Are we talking exclusively wax crayons Um, or pencil crayons? At this time, in, like, the 1800s, it's starting to be wax crayons. Nobody Uh really anywhere could... um, really put like they couldn't really attribute the the combination of putting wax in with it to any single person like okay. in the american origins which i'll talk but about do you think next pencil crayons were made these the are more time, kind of mm, i think you don't like pencil well crayon, right, with maybe the... yeah i think they might be later oh, i don't okay. know Because I think this is much more, like, if you think about pastels and you think Mm -hmm. about these other, like, those Conte crayons, where it's, like, it it started with, like, pastels. Like, they're mixing the pigments and charcoal together with, like, clay or with oil or with those things to make it a bit more solid so they can actually draw with it, right? Right. Instead of having, like, that fluid stuff that they're painting with. colored pencils would be more probably in the story of, like, origin of, like, lead pencils or something like that, That's my thought, yeah. Yeah. Because okay, initially, like, like crayons, like they still use the word crayon in, in French, right, right for pencil, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah for yeah, pencil. Yeah, yeah. So and initially they were oh. considered to be like chalk pencils, like people like were using chalk and stuff, right, to write with, like way earlier. Huh. Right. Yeah. Dang. I say right, like we know this information already. <laughs> okay, so the American origins. Um, so the initial time of wax crayon creation saw a ton of companies competing for the lucrative education and artist markets. The Franklin mm-hmm. Manufacturing Company, based in Rochester, New York, was one of the first companies to make and sell wax crayons. In 1883, they appeared with a display of crayons at the World's Columbian Exposition. So at that time, they had all those big world expositions where people went and showed off their inventions and showed <laughs> off, like, new technology and whatever. Yeah. And it was in 1883 that they first appeared at that fair. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's not what I expected. I know. <laughs> um, Charles 
Bowley, or Bowley of Massachusetts developed wax coloring crayons in the late 1880s. He had been selling various stationary items and had developed clumps of colored wax to be used for marking leather. Oh. So they were just clumps of wax. Because, of course, they had wax from, like, candles and stuff like that. Like, yeah, wax was like being candle. used for other things, right? Um, yeah. But with the need for more accuracy, he formed the wax crayons to be more manageable cylinder shapes, similar to a pencil, so that he could actually, like, mark the leather properly, like, a little bit more accurately. Because can you imagine having just a big lump of wax and you're trying to, like, mark it in a certain way? It's just going to be this big blob, like, right there. Like, I would be so frustrated. I'd just lose my mind. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he packaged his crayons into decorative boxes and offered them to his already existing stationary clients. Um, the demand for his crayons got crazy and he couldn't keep up with it. So he ended up partnering with the American Crayon Company in 1902. They had already been producing chalk crayons. Uh, and so he was like, hey, guys, I got wax. <laughs> I got this great idea. Look what I'm doing. Everybody wants them. Boots. Right? Look at how I've marked my leather. So (laughs) they were like, yes, we love it. (laughs) Look at how I've marked my leather. It's true. Okay, so now comes the moment that we've all been waiting for. (laughs) And I have brackets, or have we? (laughs) Yes. Is the creation of Crayola. Which now is arguably, like at least in North America, the biggest producer of wax crayons out there like it's just synonymous so it's like with the only crayons producers. yeah they're not but they they're like not, no. but they might as well they might as well be everybody else give up <laughs> sorry other guys but <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so edwin binney and c harold smith were cousins who took over binney's dad's company in 1885 and this company was called the peak skill chemical works in a town called peak skill in upstate new york The company was making charcoal and lamp black, which is a black pigment made from soot soot that's left over when oil is burnt. That's that's the black from the old mask painting. Yeah. So in one place, it was described as being created by burning whale and carbon black. Like, and I was like, burning whale? Is that like a euphemism for some other kind of like (laughs) thing? Maybe euphemism isn't the right word to use there. But, and then when I looked it up, it's like, no, literally like burning whale, like fat and whale blubber. Yeah. Which they used for everything there. And then I got a little devastated and had a little moment of silence for the whales. I felt bad. Um, so they also made chalk products. Um, they developed a red pigment for barn paints um, and a carbon black that made rubber tires stronger. Because before that, rubber tires uh-huh. were all white. Rubber made what? that was is used in tires is naturally white. Or what? it's naturally like a light color. Why am I just learning this? And they realized that if you infuse that rubber with this carbon black color, it would make the tires much stronger and what? would make them last longer. I know, isn't that crazy? How? No, right? I don't know. Ask Science. them. <laughs> <laughs> So from 1900 to 1902, they started making pencils and dustless chalk for school blackboards. 
Uh-huh. In 19... So basically, like, this chemical works factory is just making a ton of stuff. They're developing all these different things and they're working on all these other... In the education market already. Yeah, they're getting into the education market. So in 1902, they developed a marking crayon that was used primarily for industrial uses like marking crates and barrels. Maybe they marked a little bit of leather. Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then in 1903... Edwin Binney's wife, Alice, who she had pre- she had been a s- school teacher before they got married. Yeah. She suggested that the company manufacture an inexpensive alternative to the imported crayons of that era. And she was thinking, because she was used to working with kids, like, it'd be cool if it was colored, like, that they did a bunch of different colors and, like, that kind of thing. So she was like, hey, let's do this. And then she came up with the name Crayola. What's so her name she, again? Her name's Alice Binney. Alice Binney? Lady? Lady You're girl. A hero. Right? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so she combined the French, work, French word for chalk, which is cray, with oleaginous, which means oily. Right. So basically oily chalk, <gasps> which is what it was. It's oily chalk. <laughs> it isn't. I love it. It is. It is now. So, (laughs) and the original pigments that had been used in other colored crayons were not safe for kids, obviously, as we have discussed in your part of this episode. (laughs) So they developed crayons and pigments that would be safe if swallowed by children. Nice. So, so they didn't, the first colors weren't like arsenic green and, you know, how they exactly, name all the colors. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, rat poison, whatever. Oh, yeah, it has to be more fun than arsenic. Exactly. Yeah, rat poison green. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so that's kind of how Crayola started. So in all, there were over 300 documented crayon manufacturers in the United States and many what? more in other countries around the world. But Dang. only a few of those manufacturers exist today. So, like, <gasps> I, w- I was shocked. Like, when you look at stuff, it was crazy, the different companies. Because everywhere you look, most of them had the same, like, main guys that were mentioned. Most of yeah. my research. But some of them had these other guys. And it's all happening kind of at the same time. Like, everybody right. was really trying to get in to yeah. this market in a way. So, oh, it was man. kind of crazy that it was, like, this fight to get like yeah and so a lot of them too like crayola made the children version so like nicely packaged for kids right with the wrapper on it and all that stuff but then they also <laughs> made lines that were specifically for artists so it wasn't oh, there was no wrapper man. on it there like they marketed it slightly differently oh, for I the artists look- but it was the same kind of concept I want to look, Google vintage ones because I want to see what the unwrapped. It was ones. actually kind of cool, yeah. Looking at the the vintage ones, like there were some. If you if you just Google like early Crayola things, like yeah. there there are boxes of you know the original <gasps> had eight colors in it and like oh my gosh. yeah. So it, so the boxes for the kids were marketed saying like fun to learn and stuff like that, and then the <laughs> boxes for the um for the artists were obviously different. Like they didn't have the same right. things on them. So that's like the basic history of the crayon. It's a little bit vague, but it's kind of out there. Um, And now I just have a bunch of fun facts about Crayola. Yes. Okay. 
So only three Crayola crayon colors have had their original names changed in the company's, the entire history of the company. What? So those three colors were Indian Red was changed to Chestnut in 1998. Good call. Yes. Prussian Blue. (gasps) was changed to Midnight Blue in 1958 because no. the kids didn't know what Prussia was. Like, they didn't know where that was. That didn't exist anymore, so they didn't know what that was. Why is Prussian Blue described as dark and now Midnight Blue? It's so crazy. Because I swear yeah. it looked all, like, light blue in the paintings. But Who knows? No, but, you know, that's the thing, though, with the crayons, that those were the colors that when you actually went to put it on your page, it was way oh, yeah. lighter than what it looked like. Those bastards. Mind you, they would, in old paintings, do, like, a white first, and then they sometimes just do washes of color. Don't, like, don't tell me how they paint it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, third one, third one. Okay, and the third so one was Midnight changing the color flesh to be named peach in 1962, which was actually huh? earlier than I would expect that to be. Why? Because it's not everybody's flesh color. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. I'm such a ding dong. But in 1962, I guess maybe it was civil rights movements and stuff. Maybe that's when they did it, which is pretty progressive. progressive. Yeah. And speaking of progressive, have you seen they have like just um, a box now of all different kinds of skin colored crayons? I did see that. And then I thought, who would want just all skin tones? Like, you've got to have other colors in there. It looked so boring to me, but I thought it was really cool. Yeah. That they did that. Um, the 100 billionth Crayola crayon was produced. Sorry in... to go back. I, that wasn't my bias that I think flush, all flush color was peach. I meant more like that the word itself was somehow offensive. Like, oh, yeah. Although it kind so, of is like flesh. It, is, it makes me it? think gross things like you're yeah. like Hannibal Lecter or something. Or right. Like See, that's where my brain went right away. Yeah. So, anyway. That's what my brain did first, too. And then I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, that makes Duh. sense, actually. That's really cool. <laughs> Yeah. I love that Prussian blue thing. As soon as you said the Prussian blue, I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something to say about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so the one hundred billionth Crayola crayon was produced in nineteen ninety six and was molded by Mr. Rogers in an episode of <gasps> Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. No. Isn't that cra- crazy? One hundred billion crayons nuts That's nuts so they started doing it what in 1903 yeah right yeah from 1903 to 1996 they made 100 billion crayons Gee. that's nuts okay according to a survey done by crayola in the year 2000 that over 25,000 people voted in the world's favorite crayola crayon color is blue that's awfully boring i would have hoped they would be mm. more specific but whatever. Yeah. The original colors in the first box of eight Crayola crayons were black, brown, blue, red, purple, orange, yellow, and green. <laughs> and these first boxes of crayons sold for a nickel at the time that they were Aww. created. According to a study done at Yale University, the smell of Crayola crayons is the 18th most recognizable scent to adult Americans. The, <gasps> it's true. Isn't that cr- And I know when I read that, I was like, it's so true. Yeah. The top two most recognizable scents in that study were coffee and peanut butter. Mm, peanut butter? Yeah. It's pretty recognizable. No, it is. It's just surprising that that was number two. 
I think you, you think can't like really mistake it for anything soap else. Or soap would be number two. Ooh, yeah. oh, but that's soaps true. can have different scents, right? And other things can smell like soap. You're right. Yeah, I'm always right. <gasps> crayons. But yeah, when you think of crayons, I can smell it right now. Me too. I have a whole box right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like so tempted to run and get my crayons. I have like a million box of crayons. I know. I'm house. definitely like, gonna color <gasps> after this. I'm just gonna okay. sniff them. Yeah, exactly. Last (laughs) little fun fact. Since 1903, more than 600 shades of Crayola crayons have been produced. What? Over that whole time. Yeah, 600 shades. Wait, but they're still producing, do you think? Or they just, like, some are obsolete, do you think? Um, I think it's that they have been produced. So I think some of them that have come out, they haven't kept them around. Oh, they have, like, limited edition colors, too. Like, I know they had a Star Wars pack, and it had, like, cool, like, kind of sparkly... Yeah, and um, that's the thing, too. Ones. They said they came out with, like, glitter ones at some right. point, and, like, they've come out with metallic ones and, like, all these different things. Yeah. They have washable ones, so there's this guy that, like, he got awarded the patent for it. He worked for wow. Crayola, and he invented washable cray- wax crayons, and he got the patent patent for that. Wash- in that's impressive. 2000, year 2000 or something like that. Yeah. Dang. So... They're they're constantly like doing stuff and like we said, they came out with that box recently of like all these different shades of like skin tone skin colors. Tones, yeah. So like going from like super dark to super light, like everything in between, it's really cool. So I think they're still constantly innovating and like doing all kinds of stuff. But Crayola yeah. is like massive. Right? Oh, like man. they're huge. And I think the it's at only... somewhere Oh no, go ahead. Just the only downside of Crayola, I find, is putting the crayons back in the box. Yeah. They never fit, and I'm jamming one in, like, relentlessly, because it's just, they won't fit Absolutely. back in the box. And they keep sliding so around. Mad. You're like, how is this possible? They were sitting yeah. in here perfectly before. Yeah. Yeah. And also the ones with the sharpener built into the box. Oh, I, yeah. On countless occasions, have accidentally, like shaking out the shavings yeah so same. wax all over the carpet it's like oh yeah i <laughs> hate when crayons like the best thing in the whole world is a brand new box of crayons when they're all sharp and yeah. they're all amazing and not and broken then, in half yeah and, and not then dull. they get dull and then you're like sure but that's why the sharpener actually is cool because yeah, it goes right I back could to the original it. oh does it see yeah. i never used one of the original sharpeners like in the box yeah I guess that would be good. I just used my old El Cheapo, like, pencil sharpener. And, I mean, obviously it made it sharp, but, like, it just was never the same again. There's nothing that will compare to the original. I know. Brand new sharp crayon. Did you ever make in school those um, art things where you put, like, wax paper and you put your, like, different colored wax shavings from your um, crayons? Like where if you took you How emptied did we out make your those little shavings, you empty out your little sharpener. Um, sharpener, yeah. And it was wax crayon. It was wax crayons, and then you put them in between, like the another piece of wax paper on right. top, and then we you did put the those. iron. You use an iron and you yeah. melted it all, and it was like artwork. It made me Man. feel like an artist because I was not it, very good yeah. at drawing. And I was like, wow, I made something cool. Oh, man, that's a blast to the past. I completely yeah. forgot about that, actually. Mm. Whoa. I only remember the thing, the classic technique of, like, I still do it for Easter eggs sometimes where you do the white uh, white wax crayon. Then you do the dye or paint over it so that the paint doesn't mm. stick to the yeah. um, 
I know with Flynn, my nephew, his, uh, um, he was doing homeschooling because of the pandemic and I was his little teacher and he did uh, spelling tests every week or a spelling kind of practice every week. And one of the things was to use wax crayons and then color over with like marker. Oh my gosh. And it never gets old to me seeing the yeah. letters just appear. It's like something magic. so satisfying about that. <laughs> oh man. But dang, I can't believe wax crayons were like so old like now i'm obsessed i want to buy, I was just find so and buy su- old crayons i was just so surprised that um that there was so much competition to do it at that time i actually did think it would be a little bit more clear cut of this was the first person to think hey i'm gonna put wax in instead of like charcoal and oil yeah. and all this other garbage that like <laughs> was leaving people's hands all messy and <laughs> all that kind of stuff like and don't making forget the arsenic Leaving them yeah, dead. Yeah, exactly. Can I, like, have mine without arsenic, please? That'd be great. Yeah, because it would get all over their hands, right? So with all the pastels and all those things. Yeah. And the early crayons before wax crayons, like, they'd get it would get all over their hands. So can you imagine yeah. if they were trying to do the pigments? Like, they, the industrial ones were not safe for kids, so they're not safe for adults either. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, they probably and had they lead and arsenic and all that stuff yeah. in it. Yeah. You know, and like it's oh getting gosh. all over the place. And then I'm sure they're not washing their hands all that well then because it's like they don't have probably didn't have like the same running water, the same soaps, all that kind of stuff like yeah. way back in the day. So oh, they're man. probably eating and just like eating. That's why life expectancy was like if you were 35, <laughs> you're basically an old person, like just a geriatric. Like I love we would have been dead. Statement you just made. <laughs> Life expectancy is so much shorter because of wax crayons. <laughs> no, no, it no, is, you not guys wax have crayons. The other it. thing. No, no, pastels. I mean, in chalk. Yeah, we're well, defending the wax crayon. It's true. <laughs> you live longer. This is all true. <laughs> I like how you always you always start your little story with a, like a disclaimer of like I haven't done you know I'm not a researcher and blah 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 like all this stuff and I'm like no this is fact. It is for sure. I make wild speculations about history. <laughs> oh no, I'll gladly make wild speculations too. But I don't. But actually, do you say you know. it with such conviction? <laughs> I do not. Actually, you do make a lot of speculations. What's so great about it? Listen, yeah, don't I argue really. With me. I'm right. I love working with charcoal and pastels like nothing else oil I and hate it. you get so messy i but hate you get it get so messy i know that's the one downside like you have to like guard I your work love crayons so much because you can draw yeah. and you can make it like when you want it to be lighter you can get all fuzzy and it'll cover quite a bit of the area and you can make it nice and even i always want to like easier. wax crayons more pencil crayons are my jam that's where I my do or colored love pencils but like pencil crayons as well they yeah they blend better it's just so much better pretty big collection yeah yeah but wax crayons wax crayons can be a bit annoying yeah and the feel of them and like the novelty and like seeing like I love sorting them oh my gosh little rainbow color pattern right it's pretty great for like OCD yeah I do love coloring though I have to say I've always loved coloring here's a fun fact about me when I was in kindergarten (laughs) so I was like what five yeah five um my mom like at some parent teacher conference thing or whatever like 
the <laughs> teacher, my teacher told my mom that I was too much of a perfectionist because especially with coloring because <laughs> she's like that she told my mom that I needed to learn how to be okay with coloring outside of the lines <gasps> when oh my mom my told me this gosh. later because she said I would spend so long and I would not leave the table <laughs> until my picture was done and when my mom told me this later, like I was like a teenager or maybe in my early 20s or something, I was yeah. still outraged by it. I'm like, well, of course, why would you leave a picture before it's done? I'm not going <laughs> to intentionally go outside of the lines. Are you insane? Like I was so outraged by it. And I had such a distinct memory of sitting at the little round table in kindergarten and yeah. um, the little boy next to me threw up all over the table. <gasps> oh. And you kept coloring because you're like, damn, I, I need to finish this picture. I kept, I kept coloring a little bit. And then I, like, <laughs> got really mad that his puke, like, got onto my coloring page a bit. Oh, I was, like, oh, no. I was really devastated by it. I did not give a crap about this little kid that he's no, sick. I was just not. so upset because it, like, and then the coloring time was over. So I didn't even get to start a oh. new coloring picture. It was yeah, devastating. That would have killed me, too. I colored I was in the so lines mad at him. The same. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I've only comment I ever got though was a substitute teacher she was like talking to the kid behind me who's coloring all over the place and she's like I don't know what his name was but she's like Tommy um why don't you just try coloring like Carla like in the lines a little bit and I was like all you know <laughs> puffing out my chest you know all proud like oh I'm being noticed for my inside the color or line coloring yeah but yeah I was just as particular right or yeah no and oh my technique which I developed really early, was I would do um, a darker kind of outline first. Yeah, and the lighter inside. And then, right? Yeah. Yeah, proper coloring. Proper coloring, <laughs> hello. Then yeah. the shading, like Barbie's oh. hair, that really taught me. And some people, when they yeah. would, like, go, like, so heavy, even with, like, a... Uh, a pencil crayon Ugh, or a crayon. My nephew and then would do that. Like and then his hand is all tired. And you're like, what yes. are you doing, moron? Especially with markers. Like, they'll do oh. that. They'll go like completely nuts. They're really, really hard. And yeah. it starts fading. And you're like, would you just relax? And you're like, did you not see that coming? You have to plan yeah. ahead a little bit, dummy. Color lightly. Like, yeah. gentle touch. I'm always, <sighs> oh my gosh, my nephew gave me palpitations because he would color outside <laughs> of the lines. He wouldn't even finish in areas. I'm like, there's a gap there. There's a gap there. I'm like, I'm like the worst teacher in the history of the world. Because like, fill it in. Finish. Oh my gosh, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't just leave it like that, you idiot. <laughs> I just berate children. <laughs> the worst you is like... <laughs> yeah. So I have a few adult coloring books because it's all trendy. Like, you know, a few years ago it became all trendy again. So I've got a few adult ones, but I definitely still have my Barbie coloring books, um, yeah. which we've already established how much I loved Barbie and the coloring books yeah. even better. Um, Gosh, they were the best. And it's really funny that, like, <laughs> I know you and I always coloring in Barbie coloring books and like yes. then we like yeah you taught me actually to be to do crazy stuff because you get really like crazy <laughs> with like the colors and like you're really good with that kind of stuff and I was such a rule follower where I was like what no well sometimes They're... I'd want the pretty Barbie and then other times I'd yeah. be like you're like come on punk rock cra exactly yeah. you always do the punk rock like ball gowns and stuff it was awesome <laughs> 
but I remember like having my like nieces and nephew over when they were much younger and like thinking okay well what can they play with and it's one of the things that I have but then not wanting them to touch my coloring books like I don't want you because of course they see the Barbie and I'm like no I'll pick I'll pick a page for you guys to do (laughs) and of course my little niece would be like I don't know four or five and she's like I want to do this one it's like the best one of Barbie where you could do her whole makeup and everything and like makeup the makeup. and the earrings and just yeah. enough hair but not so just much hair a, that it covers the whole page right exactly nothing too crazy the same color yeah that's my pet peeve with coloring books when it's just one ch- block that mm-hmm. would just you would just do one color in the whole thing so it's yeah. like basically 50 or 60 percent of the page would be one color exactly which is like, like what no. the, that, those are the pages the sheets that i would give to my niece to do because it's like okay nice. you're just gonna scribble it in any like in it anyway <laughs> it's not even gonna look like anything so you can wreck that sheet but then I remember a few times yeah exactly like who wants to do that nobody but some little four-year-old can do it it's fine exactly yeah but I remember just watching her like like getting really like insanely protective (laughs) I've got issues is what I'm trying to establish (laughs) oh my gosh I could talk about this for forever obviously I know yeah okay but we should save it for save something for next week that was so cool this is the first time that our our topics have kind of like coincided a little bit right and i love that you went first worse and worse pretty soon we're gonna be doing the exact same topic at the exact same time it's gonna be amazing (laughs) (laughs) everybody tune in (laughs) every week it's gonna be great (laughs) it's gonna get worse yeah i mean and um make sure that you subscribe if you like it rate review all those things it really helps us if you do that and follow us on instagram we are at podcast dot or dot something um and carla is excellent posting all kinds of fun stuff on there don't be shy if anybody's listening just comment and ask us questions or ask us to do topic like yeah we We should do that one one week where it's like okay we're taking suggestions of what do you want us to do and then we'll ignore the suggestions (laughs) yeah maybe they're not commenting because you said that you would yell at anybody who did (laughs) (laughs) carla won't yell she promises she won't yell right away anyway i'm canadian i'm I'm too nice to yell yeah she'll yell and then she'll apologize for it (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) exactly okay talk to you guys next week bye bye